Come on, everybody, it's the inside trip. So crack a high life and take a sip on that T-I-T. Get up and scream, and you can spell it backwards. You know what I mean. Your boy Brando in the house tonight. Gonna lay it down smooth and keep it tight. When Ben Watson gets on the mic, you better get ready because he brings the hype. It's about that time you already know that nasty trip, this nasty flow. The inside trip, that is the show. Don't wind up on your back, bro. What is up, all my fellow wrestling nerds out there in wrestling nerdland? This is the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, coming at you with episode number 105. My name is Brandon Olinger, and join with me, as always, is my man, your man, everybody's favorite fan man. I only do this because it gets him hyped up. He's literally standing up right now doing a dance. Ben, the Law Watson. What's going on, Brandon? Wow. You literally got up, looked like you were getting ready to get down, and that's what you came at me with? No singing? Didn't even, didn't even take off your clothes this time? Nothing? Ah, pants are still on. Yeah, it's because it's not so hot in here. Your knee nice pits ain't cool. sweating. My, they got, my knee pits aren't sweating. It's so hot. Oh, it's so hot. You know it was hot. The wrestling <laughs> action this weekend? Yeah, in our takes last week. Oh, God. We'll get into that in a second, though. <laughs> God. Oh, man. We love the college wrestling season, and this season is shaping up to be one for the ages, let me tell you. But before we get into all that, let's take care of that business as always. The Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast, episode number 105. Find us on the old tweet deck, the old tweeter, at the Inside Trip 1. Got a Facebook page out there, The Inside Trip, and also got an Instagram page, The Inside Trip. And if you want to send us one of them old-fashioned Emails, you can do so at the inside trip one at gmail.com. As hey. for the podcast itself, you can find us at all your favorite podcast locations SoundCloud, Google Play, Spreaker, the Podbean. Find it. And if you like what you hear, maybe give us a little subscribe, a little rate, and a little review. Well fucking done, my man. That is the first time yeah. in about five attempts you've done that out of 105 episodes that you did that. Rather well. Good job. I did good. You, you studying up. You're paying attention. <laughs> we actually got a review. Hey, let's switch roles. We, we should start switching roles a few episodes. That sounds like You do all the fucking have to ask my serious wife. stuff. And, uh, <laughs> no, she she likes you being the woman. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. We got a review. We did? Yeah, and I feel like here's the thing. Guys. Was it a three-star review? The girls. No, it was five stars. If you leave us a review... For the next, I'd say, Don't do this. Month. Is, is this like the whole, if I see you in a t-shirt, and see the ladies, Ben's going to buy you yep. a beer? If you leave us you a review. You literally had the to next, fucking take out an extra credit right, card. How about this? The next three weeks, if you leave us a review, I don't care what it says, as long as it is, I mean, look, we're an explicit podcast, but I don't care what it says, I will read it on air. If you give us a review, Dude, uh, accompanied just, by a, ben, uh, ben. a a two-star review or above. Bruh. You just opened up Pandora's box. We are about to get some of the shittiest f- reviews ever. Let's put, I swear to God. Tell Pandora to close her box because gonna, I'm going to read them. They're going to say something about your mama. <laughs> Anyways. I'll read the review. 2020 Hawk left us a review, and it was an awesome review. I appreciate it, 2020, 2020 Hawk. 2020 Hawk? Is he a Hawkeye fan? Iowa Hawkeye fan? Probably. It's a good year to be a Hawkeye yeah, fan. Yeah, it is. Best wrestling podcast around exclamation point. 
Love the beer drinking takes on wrestling, exclamation point. Keep up the big talk and drink more beers. Hawk. 2020 Hawk, I will do that. 2020 Hawk, thank you so much. I Might I add, could you please just cut back on the heroin because it is impairing your judgment. But we do appreciate the kind words, my man. <laughs> so? So anyway. If you want to be like 2020 Hawk, drop us that little rate and that little and review. review. All right, so you kind of... You kind of cut me off there. Is, oh, that, your is there, there any I other know. business we got we to gotta get down? We got t-shirts. We ain't got no t-shirts. <laughs> we got like three t-shirts. I don't know what the sizes are. Hit this up if you maybe want to. stop. We ain't got no t-shirts. Just stop. Uh, Just stop. We don't have t-shirts. Just stop. So, uh, okay, social media, <laughs> podcast, email. All right. So, well, last week uh, Ben and I spent a lot of time talking about how crazy the season has started out. It was upset city last weekend. We saw the Buckeyes get knocked off. We saw Okie State get knocked off. We saw some top-ranked guys get knocked off. And you know what? This weekend said, screw you last weekend. I'm going to one-up you. We saw Penn State's winning streak get stopped. Yeah. We saw – and you know what? Let me give that, some props. I mean, that right there. Let me give some props, though. Flo put out a little thing that said 11 – Top five wrestlers went down this weekend, 11 in one weekend. That's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. That's a ton. And so I'm just going to give a little props. You know, one of our favorite written article wrestling website is always the open mat with our boy Earl Smith doing great things out there. The Flow has always done great video content, but I'm starting to notice some really good written content coming out. And I really enjoyed that stuff. 11 top five wrestlers go down. We saw the top ranked team in the country go down. We saw... Lehigh go down again after what were they knocked off Oklahoma Lehigh State goes last down week? Twice after they beat Oklahoma State. Exactly. Uh, I mean, just when just... you think you know what's going on in Lehigh, they say, "Nah, man, we're going to let you know that uh, the season is going to continue to just be." I I think that the, the season is just we're not going to be able to figure it out. No, and if it's funny you say that, Ben. Every year when we get down to previewing the national championships, we always say. We always think we know what's going on until that first whistle blows at the NCAA tournament and the, all shit gets blown out the window. You don't know anything. You don't. The only thing you know is that you don't know anything. And in addition to all this, Ben and I realized that there might be the Inside Trip Wrestling Podcast curse. It's called the tit curse. Oh, the old titty curse. Tit curse because it's the inside trip for you guys. So don't get your, get your minds out of the gutter, okay? And basically what we mean by that is last weekend we, we, we talked down about a certain team and they went out and they proved us wrong. We talked up so much a, a particularly high wrestler. Oh. And for a lack of better words, our boy did not have the greatest of weekends. Josh all. Humphreys. Humphreys it is. And, and, and look, it, I still think he's got a lot to say for the rest of this season. But, you know, I said something to the fact that, look, Josh Humphreys is going to All-American this year and you go, oh, what a what a phenomenal take there! Way ben. to go out on a limb there with to. like the right. number fifth ranked or sixth ranked right. guy in the country. And then he goes out there and he proceeds to lose to two very solid wrestlers, but guys that he was favored over in Caleb Romani from Pitt and Quincy Monday from Princeton. So Josh, I think that we cursed you. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna refrain from talking about you a little bit after this, and we're gonna get you back on that saddle. Absolutely. So basically, what Ben and I decided since there is possibly this inside trip curse that from here on out every podcast will be devoted to kale sanderson and the penn state nittany lions and we're going to talk about how great they are and they're never going to lose because by the inside trip curse wrestling podcast the curse we hope to see you lose a lot right speaking and of the second part of the curse was 
I think at one point in the podcast last week, we talked about how Arizona State has just not lived up to the billing with regards to the recruits that they've brought in. Right. And that they're just over, a little overrated and that they're not developing talent the way they should be. And that Zeke Jones better watch his back a little bit. Well, look, ben, uh, ben, I think he bought himself a little rope there. Well, if he was on a short leash, he absolutely bought himself a little rope. Um, but I'll still stand by the comments we made about the the inability to to develop some phenomenal talent that's come into that that wrestling room. But you know what? Let's just kick it off. Arizona State, Penn State. Um, I think Penn State was riding like what a sixty match dual win streak. Sixty match dual win streak. That's that's phenomenal. That is amazing. You kidding me? Especially in the Big Ten. Yeah. Oh yeah. That good point. Good point. It's not just a 60-match dual win streak from a team that is extremely solid but doesn't have tough competition. They're forced by bylaws to wrestle a lot of extremely tough teams every year. They don't get a year off, a year oh. where they can rack up 14, 15 wins and it be easy. Oh, you're saying there's bylaws. Yeah, the bylaws. What you know about them laws? Oh. The law, Watson. There's no law when you're drinking... We're drinking Michelob Ultra tonight. God, we are old. I got some wine downstairs. Hey, speaking of old, dude... I no saw that joke, ARP. No joke. I legitimately got an email today talking about Black Friday deals for AARP memberships. I'm not even 40, and it even mentioned my name. Because you bought that cane. That's fucked up. I think you probably gave him Tanner Hall's email address, and somehow they, they hit you. Ah, But they said Brandon, not Tanner. <laughs> I know. Well, no, yeah. <laughs> All right, so. Anyways, we, 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 we uncursed Arizona State. We kind of. Basically, we uncursed them. Whatever we say is going to happen is not going to happen. Right. All we right. uncursed your state. Because I tell you what, let's just let's just let's run let's talk, this let's talk Arizona bit. State, Penn State. Okay, let's do it. First and foremost, I don't even want to go in order of weight class. Sure. Let's address the elephant in the room. All right, Penn State forfeits to the number one ranked guy in the country, Zahid Valencia, at 184 pounds. And the only reason I'm mentioning this, the only reason I'm mentioning this, is kind of petty. So I apologize. Get him because I love. All of our fellow Penn State fans that listen to this podcast, we've met some great ones. We hang out. We drink together. We talk wrestling together. You're phenomenal. Even though I, deep down I really just want to, um, you know, kind of smack your mom up because your Penn State beats us all the time. But I, right. I, I digress. Anyway, Penn State fans in general have beaten up Tom Ryan in Ohio State over the years by saying – he protects wrestlers, protects their seeds. And maybe that's true, maybe it's not. Tom Ryan's been on record. He's got his own thoughts and his own rationale for doing things. Maybe it's right, maybe it's not. But you mean to tell me you couldn't find anybody to step on the mat with Zahid? Woo. Anybody? I know you got a backup 133-pounder you could have thrown out there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I think it was... I know everybody's listening and waiting for Ben Watson, who brings the hype, right, to to really get him. Wow. To really get wow. him. Wow. And I'm not going re to do re that. Really? They're I'm all waiting? They're all waiting? Yeah. Well, you know. Uh, so here's the thing. Yes. The, the, Penn State is not like it's a freaking easy drive to Arizona State. They had to fly across the country or drive across the country. They flew. It's Penn's fucking state. They flew across the country, and they had to bring a certain amount of people. And I'm pretty sure Edinburgh would fly to Arizona yeah. State. All right. All right. Anyways, they brought Shaq, Sugar Shaq, wait a minute, apparently is what the, what they said. And they brought, um, I think his name's like Edsel or something like that. And apparently for some reason that is not known to us, I can only guess it was a skin issue or a late injury, maybe in warm-ups or something, or in an earlier thing. He was unable to compete. I get it. I and get Sugar it. And Sugar Shaq, Shakur Rashid, is not ready. 
right? The dude wrestled with an ACL tear last year. He's not ready. He hasn't wrestled all year. Get it. The last thing you're going to do is throw him out there against the Heat Valencia, who would have stuck him. Totally oh, get it. Oh, he would have stuck him. Totally get it. So, But Sugar Shack didn't even know Zahid was in his weight class. He said it was just going to make his national championship all the more sweeter. Is that what he said? You didn't realize that in the preseason Oh, yeah, that's team right. That's right. Yeah, he Remember, did. He, he, of all people, didn't know Zahid was going up to 184. Well, you know what? He, he, was, he was probably more worried about Chip Ness. Well, he knows now. He beat his butt last year at the NCAA tournament. Um, so I can get why the, the forfeit happened, and it wouldn't have happened if it was at Penn State, right? They would have had somebody that they would have been able to probably put in. Thanks for being the voice of reason, the voice of reason in this, Ben. And let me just preface this, guys. We're just having fun with you. Honestly, we're just right. having fun. We totally get it. I we get absolutely it. get it. At the end of the day, I totally support college coaches doing what's best for their wrestlers on this team. Because right. let's face it, shit that happens in November is not important at all when you're comparing to the shit that happens in March. Well, that's that's the huge – every year when something like this happens, you get into that huge debate on the um, social media about – Duels don't matter, and how do we make them matter? And should they be a portion of the NCAA tournament, or should there be a separate dual meet champion? And I'm sure everybody has thoughts on that. But the, but the bottom line is, like you just said, until rules are changed, whether you want them to be or not, duels do not matter one iota right now. Individual matches matter for seeding purposes. One hundred percent. And Ben, I'll even say, in my opinion, and this is just my opinion and my opinion solely. There is not a rule that can be changed for the regular season to make duels matter to where even coaches will buy in 100%. Because unless you've ever, if if you have never been to the NCAA championships, you just don't understand. And that's what these guys are shooting for. That's what these teams are shooting for. And it will always be that way, in my opinion. I mean, you'll find teams that will never forfeit matches. I think we had some coaches talk about um, on a, on social media recently, on Twitter recently, how last year they never forfeited a match. They'll well, pull a red shirt. Um, who was – there was two in particular. Um, maybe, maybe maybe Wyoming or something and, and Pitt or something. I can't remember who they were, but essentially they did not forfeit. Whoever these two teams were, they did not forfeit one match. All last year, regardless of reason. And kudos to you, but at the end of the day, Ben, in the grand scheme of things, these, a lot of these coaches, these big-time programs, they, they know. March is where it's at. You think Hale gets paid? To, now, obviously he's gotten paid really well, and I'm sure the people that say that Kale doesn't care, a lot of the Penn State fans afterwards um, in the social media said, well, Kale doesn't care about the dual meet streak. Bullshit. He does. It, it, it's not his primary focus, but he certainly cares. Anybody would care about that. But I think that you're cutting off your nose to spite your face if you're pulling red shirts for one or two matches when the guy's not going to start for, for dual fits. Depending on who that red shirt is, I completely agree. What we need to do is adopt a similar um, thing that football has where you can It was play. Kerry Colott's idea. Yeah, you can play in like— Wasn't it? it? Uh, well, I mean, yeah, football's adopted this thing. So Kerry has definitely been a, um, a proponent of this. But football has adopted a thing where you can play in, I think, four games— and still protect your red shirt or something like that or a certain I, amount of quarters. Right. Why the hell can you not wrestle three or four duels and still protect your red shirt? It's going to make things a lot more exciting, and it's not going to affect the NCAA tournament one iota because those guys won't be able to participate. I can't remember what I, – I, th- I think it was Colat, and guys, we're kind of going off on a tangent, so my apologies. We're not prepared no. for this, but I think it was Colat who said, Perry. why not give you know, you know, guys 
basically four years to wrestle in the postseason. So you can wrestle on duels and stuff throughout the season, but you only get four years to wrestle in the postseason. And you know what? For a sport, individual sports like wrestling. We only got 9.9. Golf, swimming. Yeah, where the scholarships are limited and it is more of an individual sport. That's a great idea because as fans who pay attention to the sport all year long, we don't want to see a freaking match with, you know, two, three, four, five forfeits. Right. What's the point? Yeah, and I'm all for some big matches. Like, imagine just from an Ohio State perspective, if we throw out Carson Karstler against uh, Shane Griffith the other the other night. Now, I'm not saying that would have happened because you're, you're going to use your starter for a lot of those duels at the bigger schools. But if you had the option the without schools, burning a red shirt, right? But hell yeah, that'll I'm, put people's that'll pe- put their asses in the seats. I'm all for getting those guys to CKLV or something. You know Love what it. I mean? I agree, Ben. I agree completely. So, but um, even though we're busting, you know, PSU's balls a little bit on this, we do get it. Um, it was a little so shocking to me. Um, you know, I'll tell you what. One of the other things that was really shocking to me in this match was at 125, you've got two guys that were pretty highly touted coming out of out of high school. Brandon Courtney for Arizona State, Brody Teske from Penn State. We know Teske's, uh, you know, story. And Brandon Courtney has been up and down thus far sure. um, in, his, uh, in his collegiate career, and he just absolutely put it on Brody Teske. And I think Penn State... And Penn State fans in general were thinking, hey, we finally solved our problems at 125 pounds since Nick Seriano left to go uh, act in CBS right. late night TV shows. Right, basically since Megalutis left, right? Seriano. No, but yeah, but I mean, oh, yeah, since Megalutis has been on the team, they haven't really had a uh, uh, consistent 125 pounder. It's because Seriano. They had Seriano consistently for a season. Yeah, right. Um, but uh, yeah. Brandon I thought Courtney, I thought that was very surprising. I mean, for Brandon Courtney to do that to a guy like Brody Teske. Did you expect that result? I didn't. I mean, that score. And I mean, actually, I actually ex- I thought Brody Teske would win this match. Uh, and see, I recall we talked last week, and I said I, I was really high on Brandon Courtney. I said this was one of the I said this was the match that I was one one of the matches I was most looking forward to. And I and I think I also prefaced it because I'm a, I was a light guy, so I really liked them twenty five pounders, but. I was excited about this match. I did not expect Brandon Courtney putting it on Brody Teske. And not only did he put it on him, he is a goer. He continued to go after him for seven minutes. And, look, Brandon Courtney's going to take his lumps, but it wouldn't shock me one bit if he – I mean, I think he only got one loss this year, and it was to a stud. It's to a guy that's having – It was to Devin Schroeder, yeah, who's, who's having, having a good season. one of the best years out of anybody this year so far. But, Ben – I know where you're going with that. It wouldn't surprise you. I think he can get on the podium. To see Courtney on the podium. Honestly, it, it would Maybe surprise me a little bit, okay? And, and let, let's be real about Brandon Courtney. Highly touted, all right? Has all the talent in the world. You know, last year, 14 and 11 as, yeah, a, as a starter, okay? Right. He really took a lot of lumps last year. He started out, he's 8 and 1 right now. His best win, looking at who he's wrestled, has got to be. I guess Brody Teske, but even Devin Schroeder. Devin Schroeder is a guy who is kind of like that. He's kind of like a – look, the best he's ever done at the NCAA tournament in his in his career, and granted he's only a junior, was round of 16, okay? 19-7 and seven as a starter, 21-13. and 13, Now he's 12-1 12, 12 this year. He started out great this year, but you would think that Brandon Courtney could at least make it a match, and Devin Schroeder majored him, beat the, yeah, beat the crap out of him. He's just so good on top. He is. Schroeder's he is. so good but on top. That's why I'm saying, though, it it would. I would be a little bit shocked if Brandon Courtney made You're the right. podium. He has the talent, me, but I would me, be let shocked. Me take my, let me walk that. Can I walk that back? No. Pull up one of those gifs where a guy's walking stuff back because I'm doing that right now. What, like Jiffy Peanut Butter? Is it Jiff or Gif? All right, so uh, in all seriousness, Ben, I wanted to ask you, is this more of an indictment on Courtney or on Teske? 
And if it is Teske, that spells a little trouble for Penn State. Oh, yeah. I think I think here's a, here's a couple different things. One, and we'll talk about this, the atmosphere, right? You get, the atmosphere was fire at, at Arizona State. And you go out there. Courtney's not doesn't look like he's a dude sucking a ton of weight. You know, he doesn't look huge for the weight class, so he probably had a good cut. He's ready to go. He goes out there in front of 8,000 fans, pumping him up. Because you could tell he wrestled out of his mind. He, he, he really almost did. looked like he, he was like he, he was like hovering above his body and just wrestling. He, you know, he was flowing yes. so well. On a mission, yeah, I'm not losing. He wasn't thinking. He, he just wrestled. But, yeah, it's a huge indictment on what Penn State has at 125. They don't have anybody that's going to score any. Brody Teske, from what I've seen so far this year, with his match against Navy where he snuck one out and his match against Courtney, I'm not even calling him a qualifier right now. You know, it's. It, uh, I think it's going to be one of those situations that's going to be. It, I think Brody Teske is going to be one of those guys. That it's a it's a wait and see approach. All right, he's a redshirt freshman. I don't know how much, you know, how many matches he got last year. Um, you know, let's say there was the whole Gavin Tease, Del Brody Teske, you know, situation going on last year. Last year, Teske wrestled eight matches in redshirt, went six and two. His best yeah. win was against Shakur Laney, who. Yeah. I mean, who's now up at 141. Obviously, Shakur was not really a 25-pounder. Right. You know. Now, granted, you know, he comes out of high school, Iowa, with all the hype. Um, I think four-time it was a four-timer. Um, so, obviously, the talent's there. But I think with Teske, it's going to be a wait-and-see thing. And this is one of those situations where we talk a lot about Penn State coaching staff's ability to develop talent. This is going to be one of those situations, one of those guys that's really going to show us how, how well they earn their money. I don't think it's a wait and see thing for me, man. I've seen enough. You've seen enough after one, 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 one match to know that I've seen. No, I've watched him a couple times. I've seen enough to know that he's not going to be a player at the NCAA level. He's not scoring points for for Penn State that they that they need. Not this year. Not as as of now. No. I mean, I think his two biggest he matches. He couldn't even score against the dude from Navy. Couldn't and, even score against him. No, and I mean, and that's not his only match. He got shut out. I mean, he also got shut out by Drew Hildebrand as well. He got shut out by Drew Hildebrand. He got beat really bad by Brandon Corbin. Well, it was two to one against Navy Ben. Yeah, he yeah he barely scored against them. Uh, your point's well taken. So anyway, um, interesting match there. Um, all in all, like when you look at the results of this match, I have to think that Penn State was a little flat. I mean, Robin Bravo Young, you know, barely beating wow. Joshua Kramer seven to six. Now Kramer's having a nice little season. Correct, but this is RBY. It's interesting. Kramer's a dude. I think he's a senior. Um, he, he's an upperclassman who's really never done a lot. He took RBY down. He scored the first points of the match, and he was in a position multiple different times at the end of the match to win it. RBY had to dig deep to win that match. You know what kind of happened? Now that you think about that, we're talking about how they came out flat. They kind of got um, recalled a little bit. You know when people go into rec hall, like Ohio State, and they came out flat, and the, the crowd is suffocating, and they just – um, it gets Penn State rolling. I think this crowd kind of suffocated Penn State. That was a long travel, and they just did not look like like the Penn State that we're used to. RBY needing late heroics to beat Joshua Kramer is not something that I would have even thought about before the season started. I love what you just said right there, and I think 99% of the time it makes total sense, but I'm going to disagree with you about the uh, – 
they kind of got recalled there. I don't think it was the atmosphere. I think it would be more the travel across the country because we've seen Penn State teams go into hostile environments and wreck, wreck highly ranked teams, wreck them. Right. Okay. I mean, absolutely, just demolish them. Um, I'm going to Carver and do that. We see, we've seen that happen. A lot of times. So, to me, it may be more just early season. And, honestly, the, 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 the cross-country travel. I mean, either way, you can look up and down the results of this dual meet. And you're going to see it a lot, minus in a couple of places. Um, Josh Maruka beats Jared Verclaren. And Josh Maruka certainly w- wasn't having probably the season that he wanted to before that. I think it's a good win for, for, for Maruka. I actually thought Verclaren right. was going to win that so, match. So, let's talk about this. Let's talk about... Where Penn State is can be expecting points besides their big guns. Not at 25. Not at 49 right now. I mean, I'm talking serious points at the NCAA tournament. 57 when Brady Berge comes back, sure. but I'm, We need to see how he is after this concussion. For him to be out this long, it had to be – it's got to be like the real deal. I, I just don't like that there, was people, there were people saying that, oh, if Brady Berge was in there, that match would have been flipped. You're t- you're Wait a minute. No, you're, you're that, really discounting Jacory Teamer. Right, I, I would expect toss up. I would pick Bergie, but I mean, come on. Jacory Teamer is legit. He's a legit stud. But you know what, Ben? Honestly, it, what really, we're Penn State fans. If I was going to be worried, guys, Kyle Connell is not is not going to give you what you were expecting to give you if you were expecting to give you anything, in my opinion. And, and I love not Kyle right Connell now. as a person. And. He had the freaking NCAA tournament of his life, going out there and finishing, what, third place? That guy's got an NCAA third-place freaking trophy. That he, He's done something that people can only dream about. Absolutely. But I tell you what, right now, he, he doesn't look like he, – he looks like a, a, uh, a shell of, of, of the Connell from the 2018 NCAA tournament right now. Cordell Norfleet, you know, very solid wrestler, very nice pedigree. Um, Career record of 21 and 15. Right. Nice pedigree coming out of high school. People knew he was okay. Not a lot of great wins at all. He goes out there and he blows through Canelo. And I think that it was, man, I just, I think the crowd played into it, Brandon. I know that you disagree, but I think it did. Maybe in a match like, maybe in a match like, uh, you know, with a, a guy like Canelo, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to sit, sit here and say I think RBY was overwhelmed by 8,000 fans at Arizona State's freaking arena. Especially he's from Arizona. He had his own yeah, fans. Yeah, there. I'm not going to admit Maybe to that. Maybe he was a little tight because he was in his hometown and he had a lot of his home fans, you know, a lot of his high school fans and high school people and his family there, and he didn't want to disappoint and let him down. I bet you that might have been what it was. You think so? Yeah, you wrestle a little tighter when you've got something beyond just – when you're thinking beyond just the match and there's alter, ulterior reasons why you're wrestling, sometimes you can wrestle a little tight. I mean, I guess it's a good point. Um, but either way, if I'm Penn State right now, look, you know what you have with Canel. And aside from an amazing NCAA tournament, which was absolutely phenomenal, and the guy is a great, amazing guy. If I'm Penn State, I'm putting Michael Beard in there. Show me what you got, Michael Beard. You were one of the highest-rated recruits coming out. You were a big-time signing. Um, He's already gray-shirted. Absolutely. So it's not like you're wrestling him as a true freshman without it. You know what I mean? You could redshirt him if you want to, but honestly, the way I'm looking at things right now is that, look, in years past, it was Penn State by a lot at the NCAA tournament, with the one exception of the year against Ohio State when Mymar, let's just stop it right Right. there. Bro, this year is different. I, it's not. There's a team out there. there that can there's a team out there that could legitimately beat them. And also, 
You never know which teams are going to figure some stuff out, get their lineups right, and get hot. There might be a couple of teams that get hot, and I'm not saying they're going to push them, but be up there. But, but as it stands right now, Iowa, if they can figure out their lineup, can absolutely go toe-to-toe with this roster of Penn State. Today, Iowa's the favorite, in my opinion, based on what we've seen. But th- we haven't seen Bergie back in the lineup. We haven't seen Shaq. Remember, people are, people are saying that the Calvary's coming with Shaq. Shaq went 2-2 two two last year at the NCAA tournament. So let's not let Shaq. I think his best NCAA tournament finish was up at 197, and he took seventh. So yes, we know he's dominant. He has amazing wins. He's beaten the likes of Taylor Venz. I think he's beaten the Emory Parkers before. But he he hasn't got it done in the bright. He hasn't got it done on the big stage except for a, a one-time finish in a weak weight class. No offense, God, I hate to say this. At 97, two years ago. So they need points. Here's the thing that Penn State has. They have time on their side. They, they don't do. need to pull Michael Beard right now. They can send Michael Beard out to the scuffle. They can send him to uh, different places, have him wrestle redshirt, and pull him way later, just like they did with the well, Ohio State with the, did with the Mimar, uh, things like that. No need to pull Michael Beard right now. He has a loss on the year to Greg Bolsick, um, who he'd beaten the year before. It's not a terrible loss. It's not a terrible but loss. It's not like, it, but it is. It does make you think that he needs more experience. Right. I would. I would feel. Less concerned about that loss if he was a true freshman. But because he's already had that gray shirt year and then losing to a Greg Balsick, is, is he really ready to give you – is he really ready to be a top three, top four type guy that, that I think Penn State is hoping that he would be at this point in his career? Um, I think, Ben, you can look at this in a lot of different ways. And I go back to uh, – I go back to Mark Hall, and I'm not talking about when he lost to Alex Meyer. Remember when he had that loss in red shirt to uh, the guy from CMU? Brucky. Brucky. Not Patrick Brucky, but right. this was Christian Brucky. Christian Brucky. And Christian Brucky never really did much. I mean, he was you know a good wrestler, but didn't have the career that— Wasn't an All-American. Absolutely. And Mark Hall lost a match in red shirt that year. They eventually pull him. He loses his first match. And, and Carver Hawkeye, and then what's crazy he do? was that? He goes out there and he, he, he beats Bo Jordan to win it after yeah, beating Zahid. Beats with the Zahid and Bo Jordan to win the title. So, again. But he was a true freshman. Now, granted, I think he, I'm sure he probably had a, a, a gray shirt when he was younger. Before. Dude, he was well seasoned. Yeah. He was well seasoned. All right, so we spent a lot of time talking about them. I guess the last thing that I would like to, to mention and anything else that you have is that, dude, Anthony Kassar at heavyweight is legit. He dominated Tanner oh, Hall, who, by all intents and purposes, uh, is is He's old. Right up there. But he was a you know before his uh, his red shirt last year, he took third the year before at the heavyweight class. A very very seasoned and accomplished wrestler, and it lo- Anthony Cassar made it look like it was nothing. If Gable Stevenson doesn't come back, Anthony Cassar's walking. He's moonwalking to a title, and he might be your Hodge Trophy winner. And honestly, yeah, because we saw Jordan Wood lose this weekend too. Jordan Wood's lost twice. He he lost to uh, Orndorff, and then he lost to um, oh my goodness, he asked me too quickly, but yeah, he oh oh Demetrius Thomas. That's right. Yeah, who just lost to Chase Singletary? So you guys want to talk about some craziness? I'll finish with this. Two things. One, mad props to Arizona State for getting it done. Freaking. Um, Stopping a sixty-match dual win streak—that's so great. That's so crazy. At home, and two mad props to the them selling out or getting that dual eight thousand fans rushing the mat. I don't even know if I've ever seen anybody rush the mat. People were rushing the mat, going nuts afterwards. It was like a freaking football game. 
That is awesome, man. That is what wrestling needs. I, you know, we're talking about du duels matter, blah, 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 this and everything. You don't need them to matter for the NCAA tournament for them to still be awesome. Because I tell you what, I still watch a hell of a lot of wrestling during the regular season. And I still enjoy it. And we talk about it, and a shit ton of people still listen to it. But the, the rushing, um, who, drop tweeting was there. Uh, uh, Jeffrey. Jeffrey. Yeah. Was there, and he had a video on his phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, about when when people were rushing the mat, and I tell you what, it was just a cool thing to see. Huge props to Arizona State, man. We told people they were developing talent down there. We did not. They're doing everything. It's that the they curse, need, and that they were literally on the brink of beating Penn State. We said it last podcast. Go back and listen. That is 100% false. I will say <laughs> the only other time, and I think them rushing the mat was amazing, Ben. I think Stuff like that is so, so cool to see uh, in wrestling, it college is. wrestling. The only other time I've ever seen people rush the mat was at the Ironman tournament when Clay Guida was about to fight the uh, Lakewood prep <laughs> coaches oh, in Florida, and everybody rushed the mat to either fight or break up the fight. Yeah, It's I, not quite the same. I sat in the stands as far away from possible as I could from that bad boy. You were in the background. Fist pumping. <laughs> I know. We got you on video. On I was fist pumping. You're right. I'm on, I was on video. In your Casper t my Casper T. Oh, God. We got to pull that video. We got to pull that picture back up. I love it. I was I love here it. for that. All right. Let's get on to another topic. So when we kicked this podcast off in the beginning, you know, we kind of mentioned how Flo put this article out about how 11 top five wrestlers went down this weekend. Um, and one dual meet alone we saw three top five wrestlers go down f in the in the same dual meet and that was um nebraska taking on northern iowa and by the way it just so happened all three top five that went down are on my fantasy team thanks guys are you serious they are mikey labriola got, got beat. taylor vens and max thompson all got beat oh no but no. you know but, and yes but before we you know, before we get into the details of this match, again, it just goes to show, and we talked, we've been talking about this since the season started, with the transfer portal, with the Olympic red shirts, with a lot of other things in flux. This is going to be one of those crazy seasons where it's going to be so much fun to talk about throughout the year because there's going to be a lot of stuff that happens, which is going to make March so much fun to watch. Right. I mean, there's actually weights where people are just not starting to pull away. Obviously, you've got your favorites and some weights, but I, I, I think that the something that I haven't we haven't seen in a while is some of these top the the influx of a lot of these top guys losing to guys that um, um, th they either haven't had they haven't before or guys that you wouldn't expect them to lose to. Now, granted, that that's not necessarily the case, I think, in this dual meet specifically with regards to these upsets. A lot of these matches were some things that you would consider toss-ups, but it's still guys that are having All-American before beating All-Americans or guys that we wouldn't necessarily think would would win these types of matches going out and, 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 and doing it. And I think that this type of flux and this type of chaos, I hate to use that word, is is – it's fun for us because it gives us something to talk about every week. We we haven't been able to sit down and really script a podcast because every every time we talk about it, we're like, well, let's just talk about all the upsets because there's just so many of them. But how can you not? And I love it. Yeah, you know, like last last year, and I'm going off memory here, but last year it was one of those years. Even the last couple of years, with you know, minus an upset or two that happens here and there at the NCAA tournament, and they did happen. You had legit solid favorites at the majority of every weight class. I mean, if you look at it, at 125, even though you had the issue with Lee and Sebastian Rivera, I mean, 
Spencer Lee has proved himself to be a favorite. Now, not everybody thought that last year. You know, you and I did. One thirty-three was not one of those weight classes. Um, one forty-one. It's really hard to say. Yanni is not a favorite. A guy that's lost one match in his college Yanni career. Yanni is the favorite. You know, and, and we could go on and on. Right. This year, I get I mean, your point. This year, when you're looking at it, I mean, I'll, I'll consider Spencer Lee a a a legit favorite. Seth Gross a legit favorite. Right. One forty one. No. One forty nine. No. One fifty seven. No. One sixty five. No. No. Absolutely not. One seventy four. I'll say Mark Hall's a yes, legit favorite. One eighty four. The Heat is yeah. a legit favorite. Although that that hey we he's a legit favorite, but we've seen that yardstick match. We've seen him struggle already once up, up that way. We saw him struggle. You're absolutely right. But the guy he struggled against just got his butt That's whooped on. That's what I'm saying, in this bro. And I duel. You know, Colin Moore. You can never pencil Colin I Moore. I want to call him a legit favorite, but, and and by, you know, by his results and historically, he is the solid favorite this year. But, but Colin Moore needs to put the physical and the mental um uh, skills together right. in the same tournament. And then Anthony Kassar, minus Gable Stevenson coming back. Anthony Kassar, listen, bro, I, I'm a true believer right. now. I'm, I'm a believer. Oh, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. But if Gable comes back, then you say no. No, no I'm still going to say Kassar. But I'm saying it's not a, like, um... Has Gable beat him? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay. But but I guess I get your point. But I get, and I think you need to go beyond just the ones to really see where the upsets lies. You need to go down to the twos and the threes and say, oh, these dudes aren't safe. These dudes aren't safe. There's, exactly. not, there's not a different tier there. Exactly. The, the two and the eight, nah, they might be in the same tier. This is Ben, I truly believe that in March this year at the national championships, this is going to be a year where we're going to see guys seated 9, 10, 11, possibly in the finals. You know, and maybe in more than one weight class. Because I'd like to see it. You're going to see a lot of stuff go on, a lot of upsets, which is going to make it so much fun to talk about. So with that said, you know, you and I, Nebraska. We knew it was going to be a good duel, right? Of course. Both two solid teams, well-coached, great talent. But you, let's just start with Taylor Vince. Here's a guy that heads the heat on the ropes. In all, in all honesty, I believe he should have had a shot to go into OT. I, okay. no, I'm telling you, it wasn't a fluke match. Not at all. And then Taylor Lujan, Put it on it. a zero-time All-American, went out there and did Taylor Lujan things. Do you realize Taylor Vince had a cradle locked up against him? Taylor Vence had a cradle locked up against somebody. Oh, Vence had a cradle locked up yeah. against somebody? But yeah, that's what I mean. But normally when Vence gets a cradle locked up against somebody, night-night. No, I, I, Ben, I completely agree with Taylor you. Taylor Lujan took that into his own points. Taylor Lujan did not stop wrestling from the start to the end. And I tell you what, he did not stop scoring from the start to the end. We thought that that would be a potential toss-up match, probably favoring Vence. Both of us would have. Oh, I did. Vince. I picked Vince. Yeah. I actually think you picked Lujan. I did pick yeah, Lujan. Yeah, I, okay. I believe he did. But I mean, I thought, I thought it'd be a tough match. I was not expecting a fifteen to six domination because it was a domination. It, it I, really I can, was. I cannot believe what Lujan is doing. Is he is he's taking a uh, that unique scrambly style and making it work for him up at one hundred and eighty four pounds, which you don't necessarily see as much. Sure, you see some scramble and some scrambling. Every good wrestler can scramble, but there's a difference to me between being able to scramble and being able to funk, being funky. And Taylor Lujan is funky. His body position puts people in um, situations that they're not used to. Taylor Renz gets a cradle locked up like that on most other guys. That guy goes limp trying to fight out, hoping that he doesn't get stuck. Taylor Lujan keeps trying to freaking get in on the dude's leg as he's, got, he's cradled. Ben, I, I agree. I'm so impressed with Taylor Lujan. I agree completely with you. Um, so let me just play uh, – let me – let me play the other side of this conversation then so it's not so boring for the, the few people that are listening to this. Go ahead. Um, 
everything you said about Taylor Lujan is 100% correct, um, without a doubt. Taylor Lujan, though, has always shown that he can beat phenomenal guys in the regular season, earlier in the season, mid-season, and even late in the season. What he's failed to do is do that at the NCAA championships. When you look at his results, he's got great wins throughout his career, Ben. I mean, he's beaten so he's beaten lots of All-Americans. He's put guys on the ropes. Um, who was it that he beat a couple of years ago with that freaking duck under? To, to, to it was Emory, was it not Emory Parker? No, it was um, holy shit! It was um, dude from Missouri. It wasn't Dan Daniel Lewis. Lewis. Was it Daniel Lewis? Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah, he he beat Daniel Lewis at um. Uh, hold on. What year was that? Was it 2018? It hold had to on. be 18. He beat Daniel. God, he's lost to him. He he lost to him a lot. I know he lost to him a lot. But was it Daniel Lewis? Took him down with a. It was hold that on. duck under to do it. And okay, this is bad podcasting, but it was such a great. Oh no, you're talking about the boot scoot. The boot scoot. Yeah, not not duck under. Yeah, the boot no. scoot. Who was that? Was it? A, I think he lost to Daniel Lewis every time. Uh, yeah, I mean Daniel Lewis didn't lose to, to too many people. I mean, but. Keep going. Again, I'm gonna find it for basically you. what the point I'm making is that Luhan has phenomenal wins throughout his career. I mean, he's beaten all Americans, he's beaten, you know, highly ranked guys, and he's had battles, battles with some of the best guys in the country, but he hasn't put it together at the NCAA tournament. It wasn't Zach Epperly's when he had a crazy match, but he lost. That was it. He lost, but he had a crazy match with Epperly as oh, a freshman. Epperly hit was it Epperly no, that hit it? Or was Luhan it? hit the boot scoot. I'm, I'm telling you, that was it, though. All right. Any you and I fan out there, any wrestling fan at all, I'm please, telling you, that was it. It was Epperly when he hit the boot scoot. Please hit us up and tell us what match was it that was a phenomenal match that Taylor Lujan hit that that damn boot scoot. It was Epperly. I thought he won the match, too. No. He didn't? No. Because we never knew who Lujan was. Oh, you may not have. I knew who Lujan was one of them Georgia boys out of Cliff Fretwell's yeah. compound, the funk compound. I'm looking. He's always wrestled Cliff Keen. Um. Yeah, he got. He just never beat. Uh, no, he he never beat Daniel Lewis. Not a lot of people did, except for like the elite of the, the elite. Yeah, the top, you know, top. I mean, Daniel Lewis <laughs> is one of two, two guys in the country that gives the Heat a loss. It's crazy. Do you, do you? That is crazy. Do you think that? Uh, well, this is a stupid question. I'll give you the softball here. Do you think that going up from one seventy four to one eighty four has kind of reinvigorated him? Obviously, he went up. You know, I don't know if he went up for a reason because Steyer went up or. You know, maybe they both decided, hey, look, 174 is just too tough to hold because he looks like the the Taylor Lujan of old now. Oh. You know, a dude that's just got endless energy and puts people in really terrible positions and doesn't get tired. That's what I'm wondering is that did yeah did Lujan kind of, you know, decide, hey, we're going to make a weight class change. Typically, they, a lot of people don't do that their senior year, but they did. And uh, it's paid dividends for him to the tune of the fact that he is now ranked number, uh, I think, uh, three in the country. No, two in the country. All right. Um, behind Valencia. Okay, a couple things. Um, one, I'm not going to put a lot of stock in rankings right now but just because of the sheer amount of guys that are either in red shirt or that have cleared out. But being ranked that high in, in D1 is, is an amazing feat. Um, I'm not... The best way that I can answer your question, Ben, is basically saying I'm not sure, but I doubt it. And the reason I doubt it is because Taylor Lujan has three years, three years as a starter at 174, has gone 
86 and 20 as a, at a starter at one of the toughest weight classes, oh, including man. qualifying for the national championships three times and making the round of 12 his last two seasons. So for me to say has going up invigorated him, I need to see more, my man, because I haven't seen anything different from him to start this season that we've seen at 174. He had big wins over big guys. You know, he's he's beaten, he's, he's, so, many he's beaten so many great guys. I mean, he and, really has. He really has. So and 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 again, Ben, as a Division One college wrestler at the University of Northern Iowa, coming a, a kid coming out of Georgia. To go eighty six and twenty as a starter in three years, his first three years starting, and making the round of twelve the last two years, round of sixteen the year before that, I can't say I, I agree that that going up has invigorated him. What I want to see, what I want to see you again, I don't hate him. I love Luhan style. I really do. I love watching him wrestle. Good, but I need to see him. I need to see. Basically, I got to see him at the NCAA gotta tournament. See him do it, I got to. See, I honestly got to see him get past the mental, the mental block there. Well, I'll be rooting for him like we rooted for the Georgia Decamillos, like we rooted for the 100%. Zach Brunson's, like we rooted for the Anthony uh, or Nathan Chrysler's um, from Campbell. I want. I don't know if there's anybody I want to All American more this year than Taylor Lujan. Really? I don't know if there is. Okay. How do you make the round of 16 once and the round of 12 twice? And then imagine if he loses in the round of 12 again this year. Man, it, it's something that it would be very hard to ever get over. We need this guy on the podium, but he only gets it. You know, you only deserve, you only earn, you only deserve what you earn. So hopefully he earns it this year. Speaking Great of that start. quote, if there was one other guy that I would root for to get on the podium, is Cash Wilkie, a guy who's what, been a three time round of 12 guy? I think he was around 16 round and twice 16, round of 12. Just like him yeah. is another guy. Absolutely, guy. But so, he ain't even starting right now, hot dog. And we'll get to that in a little bit. Exactly. Both of them in the same weight class. Both great talents. God, what if that's a round of 12 What match? if that is the round of 12 battle? It's going to be. Dude, honestly, if that was a round of 12 battle, it would be amazing. And somebody can I steal, somebody can steal this idea. I don't care. We, I would love it if it was us that tried to do it. Imagine joint guest Wilkie and Lujan on the pod after the NCAA tournament. Wow, Whoa. the person that lost ain't going to want to come on. I mean, we've had people that lost at the finals of the NCAA tournament come on multiple times. I know, but they, they got that second-place trophy hot dog. <laughs> Talk, right. Talking about a couple other upsets here, man. Go ahead. Well, I, you know, I, I think all we have to do is drop down a weight class to see uh, Bryce Stewart returning All-American over Mikey Labriola. That was a uh, locked hands call That's that, a, that won that match. Yeah. It's not nearly as exciting as Lujan over Venz. That's a match that certainly uh, both dudes scrapped it up really hard. It was more exciting, in my opinion, than the two-to-one score showed. But it's a match that I could certainly see Labriola coming through and winning next time. Ben, I mean, I, I completely agree with you there. And honestly, I think, well, I think there is already evidence out there to support that Mikey Labriola has the much higher ceiling than Bryce Stewart. This is Bryce Stewart's last year. I don't sure. think he's ever been on the podium. Was he on the podium yeah, last he, year? Yeah, I think he took eighth last eighth, year. Okay, so um, I think we've seen his ceiling. Mikey Labriola has such a high ceiling, but the one thing that we need to see out of him is consistency. Consistency in these types of matches, you know, if he's going to get to that upper echelon, especially at 174, to compete with the the Cutlers and the Mark Halls and those guys, he's got to beat guys like Stewart on a consistent basis. Um, and that's not a knock against Stewart. It's more of an indictment of what I think about Mikey Labriola and his, and his potential. Um, but... For, you he's know. got a lot of potential, and he's not losing to bad guys. 
Okay? Agreed. He's not losing to bad guys, but he hasn't made that jump to be an elite echelon guy, right? He, he still just sits around the freaking five through eight mark, right? I mean, what's he ranked right now? Uh, Labriola is ranked um, five. Okay. Yeah, depending on what, what rankings, I'm, according right. to the open map. But he's already Earl, lost to Jordan five. Cutler this year. And you know what? That's not a bad one. loss. No, that's what I mean. But he hasn't made that jump, right? He, he hasn't made the jump to where we think that he's going to be able to contend to make the finals. Uh, I would not. I would not. I would be very shocked if Mike Glabriola made the finals this year. So I would not be. Um, well, you know what? Here's the deal. I think after Mark Hall and Michael Kimmer, it's very wide open with a lot of those guys. Now Jordan Cutler has been amazing. Jordan Cutler for, for I think the I most like part has only right he is. But I mean, Jordan he, Jordan Cutler, I believe the last couple of years has really only lost to guy to like Zahid and Mark Hall and maybe a Bo Jordan. Right. Cutler's that made the jump that Labriola hasn't yet. Cutler's older than Labriola. But I could see that similar trajectory, right? Cutler's Cutler's kind of separated himself to say, look, I'm top three. I won't lose to a Stewart. I won't lose to a Labriola, Joe Smith, Lighty, Skatska, Valencia type guys. I mean he probably has lost to one of them, two of those. But Well Lighty he beat Lighty and Skatska last year at the NCAA tournament when he finished sixth. Right. Okay. So I mean, you know I like Cutler right now, man. I like Cutler a lot. I've always liked Cutler, especially once he, after he failed to, to, to make weight at 157 at the EIWA's freshman right. year. Um, I think that was the year that you know he wrestled and he beat freaking who'd he beat uh, the Missouri dude um, at the at the scuffle. 57 guy, 57 pounder. It wasn't who to show, was it? No, how to show was 49. Come on, 57. It's, <laughs> it's slipping my mind. He was a good, I'll look. real tough dude. Why don't you, why don't you keep talking? Uh, yeah, but. Uh, Mikey Labriola is really, really good. Um, this match is a little odd for me. Uh, to, to see a, a, a match be won or lost off of a locking hands call always sucks. I mean, it's the right call, but it for the fans, the right for the fans yeah. and everything, and for the match that it is, it always sucks. But Labriola, oh, Joey Lavalley, Lavalley, that's who it was. And he beat Joe Smith. And he beat, yeah, you're absolutely. He had a great, he had a great scuffle, and then his scuffle was awesome. I know he won the scuffle, right? Yeah, yeah, I completely remember that. Um, Cutler has just always kind of lived in the shadows of Zahid, Mark Hall, and Bo Jordan. And okay. Daniel Lewis. And, and, Daniel, and Dan Lewis, yeah. I don't – you know, but Mikey Labriola still, as a redshirt sophomore, has a very, very high ceiling. He's not done developing. He took six last year in a pretty tough weight. As a freshman. As a freshman. So, I – yeah, what am I thinking? I'm not going to take. He's in great I'm shape. not going to take that much away from this two to one loss, and I will put him. I will say that he has a fighting chance against anyone right now outside of Mark Hall until I see it, and probably Kimmer as well. We forget about Kimmer, right? Oh yeah, I don't forget about Kimmer. I want to see Kimmer though against the big dogs, the, the top dogs of this weight class. Right, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him really compete against the top guys up at 174. He was a 57 pounder a couple years ago as well, making the jump. You know, there, there was one final. Oh, go ahead, man. No, you're right. I was just going to say, say there was one final upset, and it was a. Um, it was it, this was the one that we probably um, was was the most shocking out of all of them, and maybe not so much because of who it was, but it was Colin Purinton, who's a redshirt senior from Nebraska, at 149 pounds, beating uh, an All American from a couple years ago, Max Thompson, who really. He's been up and down throughout his career after a uh, very nice finish, I believe, as a freshman. Um, but he was ranked pretty high this year, I think, in the top five prior to losing to Purinton. And he lost 9-7 um, to seven in sudden victory. It was a wild match that I think Thompson kind of gave away. But who's this Purinton guy? You go to WrestleSat, you look him up, and you say, 
I mean, he really hasn't done much. You know, I think there's a couple of things to talk about here, Ben. Uh, one, let me start with Max Thompson. Max Thompson came on as a freshman, redshirt freshman. He took fifth at 149 pounds. And if you guys remember, that was 2017 when we were talking about a very, very, very tough weight class that year. I mean, you had Did some he lose to Micah Jordan at one point? I think he lost to Micah Jordan in the Concy semis. Uh, in 2000, what would we say? Yes, in 17? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, his wins that year as a freshman at the, at, at the national tournament, you know, he beat Solomon Chisco, who was, a, you know, a previous All-American. Um, I think I think just once, if I'm not mistaken. Um, two what, Was it two? Yeah. Uh, and then other than that, you know, he had wins over Ken Theobald, Lake Gardner, Matthew Samato. Um, Theobald? His losses. I thought he was redshirting. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, his losses that year were to Le'Veon Mays and Micah Jordan. Um, but since then, you know, he goes fifth as a as a freshman and then round of 12 the last two years. And what that tells you is Max Thompson has all the talent and grit in the world, but he is the consummate guy that is inconsistent. Super inconsistent, who got really hot as a freshman. Another guy I'd love to see get on the podium this year. You know, I can't imagine, not that I'm going to feel too bad for a dude that's got an All-American trophy, but it would be hard to, just imagine, guys, you're All-American as a freshman, you have all this life in front of you, you take fifth as a freshman. You don't just sneak on the damn podium. You, you walk on the damn thing. And then, imagine never All-American in again. You know the crazy thing? Yeah. The last two years, he's lost the round of 12 matches to Missouri guys, Brock Mahler and Grant Leith. Oh. Yeah. Brock Mahler and Grant Leith. Well, who's the Missouri guy this year? For Brock the, Mahler. It's Mahler. Yeah. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. No, that is interesting. A little interesting. But anyway. But, but think about that. Could you imagine going into, not not to get too in-depth into the, the, the Brainiac points of um, of wrestling, but... Imagine if he doesn't make it to the semis, right? And he's got to wrestle in that blood round again. He, that's got to clench your butt a little bit to say, shit, am I really going to be the dude that took fifth as a freshman and never got on the podium again? Whew. Because right now, I mean, right now he's not penciled in to be an All-American. Not, I mean, I one, mean 149 is so wide open, but because of his inconsistency, inconsistency no, you can't pencil him in you can barely pencil anybody in the majority of the time um but 149 i mean pencil there is no clear-cut favor in this weight class heck as it stands right now i mean freaking brock Mahler's the favorite of this weight class because we ain't seen austin o'connor um sammy sasso's taking a loss it, brock Mahler's that dude though brock Mahler's tough i think he took third last year got pulled out of red shirt right yeah pulled out of red when, shirt when uh when neck brace hurt, hurt yeah. himself old grant old the neck brace got hurt and then g- just goes on to finish third He's so good. And I believe that round of 12 match, if I'm not mistaken, uh, went into overtime and Mahler pinned him in overtime. 750, yep, pinned in 750, at 7.57. Imagine the battle that was. I just don't. It hurts me. It hurts me to, like, that people have to lose. Maybe that's the millennial in me. And you know what? Everybody should get a trophy. But, God, I'm not saying that everybody should get a trophy. You only, like you said, you only deserve, deserve what you earn. But, shit, I can't help but feel a little bad for this dude. This dude better get on the podium this year. I mean, the unfortunate thing about wrestling, Ben, is that there's two guys on the mat and one of them has to lose. You're right. You're right. You know? I mean, that's just the way it is. And I'm not saying that to be funny. No, it's you're exactly right. And that's the that's the that's actually the non unfortunate thing about wrestling. Really, if we want to get a little philosophical, that's what makes this sport great. And he wouldn't be the only guy to all American as a freshman and never all American again. I bet. Right. You're exactly so, right. A lot of upsets there. Um, Hey, West Gym was popping, son. That looks like a great place for a duel. 
and our boy Nevin Snodgrass. We're gonna go out there and watch that. We're gonna dude have win. to go out there and watch it. We're gonna go out there and watch that dude win a couple ma- win a couple big time matches. If they, what what year is Marinelli? Uh, Marinelli's a junior. Maybe they start him next year. We go out there and watch him wrestle Marinelli at six sixty five. Oh, oh dear. <laughs> uh, let's hope that Snod gets the right. Tra- I don't know. They might. They could use a sixty five. I think probably next year. All right. Let's uh another big duel this weekend. Iowa Iowa State and again holy the shit. upsets continue. I mean what. That's got to be like on my bucket list of college wrestling duels to watch. I would prefer to watch it in Carver. Um, not a knock against Iowa State. I would want to watch it in Carver. They packed it up there in that. The, um, I forget what their center is called, but they packed it there. But yeah, I mean, we got to go to Carver, right? Oh, of course we have to sometime. But this could have and should have been a decently, a relatively close duel match, but Iowa put it on them. And not Iowa only Iowa State effed him up. Iowa effed him up. Oh, yeah, Iowa effed him up. Sorry. They did. And not only did they put him on them, Iowa, for as well as they're wrestling, they still don't know what they're doing with their lineup. And look, Austin DeSanto's been weighing in close to 133, wrestling up at 141. This weekend they put him at 133. All right. You've got Nelson Brands getting the match against the number five ranked guy in the country at 184, Sammy Colbray. All right. Ahead of Cash Wilkie, they've got to figure these things out. And then you got Carter Happel wrestling at forty-one. Yeah, but over guys like uh, Amir and, and uh, the other guy, Vince uh, Turk. Turk, Vince Turk, right? You know, so look at I what think, they I did. Think Turk, I think Turk is. I think he's only seen action this year up at 49. forty-nine. Yeah. yeah, but with that said, an in-state rivalry, you know, a big-time duel, their lineup in flux. And they still go out there and they put it on Iowa State. Ooh, that just baby. goes to show you the potential that Iowa has this year. And when you look at the results in this match, you know there were some guys that that came through and showed the type of grit that they have. And 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 I'll start right now with with Pat Lugo beating Jarrett Deegan. I'm not sure if Pat Lugo had ever beaten Jarrett Deegan, did he? He's not. But so obviously <laughs> Deegan did Deegan things and had Lugo beat. And then they reviewed it, and they brought it all the way back. Deegan took him down With to his Merkel back. With a or something? <laughs> no, no. He had him in a um, – uh, uh, he was on top, and Lugo was about to reverse him. And Deegan reached over and kind of like – almost like the, uh, Lugo was in a double leg, about to reverse him. And Deegan reached over and locked hands. So they called a locked hands, but then he kind of flipped him over to his back and had him in a um, like a double grapevine yeah. chin hold. But they had called so, locking yeah, hands. Yeah, so Lugo, Lugo, Lugo was on his back getting, getting freaking – about to get stuck. And they call locking hands on Deegan. All those points go away, and then and then Lugo ends up beating him uh, four to three. Dude, it was I, a crazy match. Deegan, I mean, Lugo deserved the deserved the win. The, the call was right, but man, Deegan, uh, Deegan, it was so funny because Deegan was losing, and and we're like, well, shit, when is Deegan gonna do Deegan things? And then all of a sudden, Lugo's on his back with Deegan right. with his with his chin in Deegan's hand, and I'm like, "All right, well, Deegan did Deegan things." Um, so it's funny, man. I got I just got to say, like, uh, I, at lunch on my lunch break this week at work, you know, I went and got me a sandwich from Old Canal Street Tavern. One oh, of my one of my favorites. Came back, and I was like, you know what? I'm ready for some entertainment. I'm ready for wrestling soap opera. So I went to the Hawkeye Report message. Oh, dear. And they were just shitting all over Jarrett Deegan. One guy, I think one guy said something. It was funny. Like, one guy said something like, Jarrett Deegan's best skill is the fact that he's six foot four, is his height. Jarrett Deegan is better than Pat Lugo. I don't give a shit what you say. Now, 
I, before I was gonna like be be kind to Pat Lugo and give him props, but well, you Pat know what, Lugo Pat, didn't say. It. He yeah, didn't because say of it. your fans, I'm gonna come out. He, and tell no, you. no, he didn't say it. Jared Deegan is way freaking better than you. Honestly, not that match though, Ben. Not that match, Ben. I know. All right. I'll still pick Deegan again next I, time. I would too, but I think Pat Lugo's been a guy, another guy that's been very inconsistent. But what a big win for him Super to go out and get a win over a guy that he struggled with. Um, How so- miserable. How miserable. All right. All right. I didn't want to go there, but I've had a couple beers. You probably woke up and, and had a couple tomorrow. of beers with your Cheerios. I'm off tomorrow. It's Tuesday. And um, Thanksgiving. We haven't even talked about Thanksgiving yet. We need to talk about what we're thankful for. At the end we'll, of this. we'll finish that up. How miserable are peop- some people? I go on to some of these fucking message boards. Watch the language, my man. Sorry. I go on to some of these message boards. Remember, we've got some reviews about the language. I know. You're right. I apologize, Okay, boomers. <laughs> okay! Oh, get him! <laughs> Boomer! And we ain't talking about that boomer sooner, son. <laughs> so I go on to these message boards. Hawkeye Report. BWI. TheMat.com is the worst. Yeah, TheMat.com. The most part? Awesome, Honestly, guys. the mat.com is skid row of wrestling. Yeah, actually, actually, the mat.com sucks. If you go on to BWI, they've got some awesome posters, Penn State posters. Some guys that are really super knowledgeable at the sport. But some of their posters are just Dude, you're really just all over idiots. Penn State's idiots. nutsack. Some of their posts, no, some of their posters are just freaking idiots. And they will contradict the shit out of themselves. Those are the guys that are like Kyle Snyder. Screw him. Hope he dies in a freaking car crash. Uh, he's bringing hell with him, yeah, because he's gonna be in a car crash and die. And then when he comes, he's like, "Oh yeah, man, I love Kyle Snyder. Like he was just a consummate professional." Can I just can I say something? Super honestly. nice guy. That's what these guys are. These freaking idiots. Same with the Hawkeye Report. I can't stand it. I can't stand these people, Brandon. Ben, I can't do this anymore. Ben, I gotta stop. quit this job. Okay, um, okay, okay. You're you're fired up. You've had a couple of drinks, but <laughs> Ben does not mean that you guys are idiots. We actually appreciate. All wrestling fans. I said most of but them are awesome. I think the problem and the reason why I stay away from things like message boards for the most part is because wrestling fans, fans of specific teams, they have a hard time looking at things objectively and without bias and without looking at them through the, 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 the colored lens of their team's color. They won't admit okay, that they're they biased. Okay, they won't admit. At least I'll admit that I'm biased every once in a while. Absolutely. Of course. We never, we never say something without bias and at least say, hey, we're a little biased here. I, I totally get that. So, um, no, they are not idiots and all that kind of stuff. They're just biased, hardcore fans of their teams. But with that said, that's one of the reasons why I stay away from it because it just gets annoying. So, anyway... Hawkeye Report, yeah, they were just beating up on Jarrett Deegan, and I thought it was kind of funny. Um, Who's awesome to watch. He's just so tall and and funky. He's so tall and funky. Um, Let's back up a second. Austin DeSanto, he's been up at 141 Wrestling, um, weighing in around 133, so obviously that tells you the coaches don't know what they're going to do. Gavin Teasdale took a loss at uh, the the Luther Open against a Division II or three guy. We talked about that. Um, uh, Paul Glenn, you know, it, it, it... Obviously, it was a Midlands runner-up. They got lost the te- lost the wrestle off with Teasdale. Um, what do you think about them going back and forth with DeSanto between weights? I think they made a decision, hot dog. You think so? Yeah, I think DeSanto is going to be your 133 pound starter for Iowa, and I think Murin, once he gets a little healthy, is going to be the 141 pound starter, same as last year. Um, Happel might have something to say about it. Uh, Tom Brands is saying that Happel's wrestling like the guy they recruited. 
that's that's nice finally to have you know that, that, and I don't mean that as a as a knock what Tom Brands is saying is hey we saw all along that Carter Happel could be pretty solid you know battled Ian Parker a dude who we were pretty high on last podcast um, to a sudden victory loss but it's gonna be Muran or Happel I think at forty one and I think you see DeSanto at thirty three which is his more optimal weight I think at this point um, based on the fact that he's been able to hold it for so long um, I I think that. Teasdale is a project. I think he could eventually be amazing, but I don't think that they're banking on him. What you have to do is you have to you have to do the simple addition. DeSanto, Murin, or um, Teasdale, DeSanto. You have to do the simple addition of what's going to score you more points at the NCAA tournament. There's no favors being done in this lineup right now. Tom Brands isn't about doing favors. Tom Brands is about putting the team in the best position to beat Penn State this year. And when you do that, and when you get down to the dirty of what's going to score you more points, I think it's going to be DeSanto Murin. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm not going to tell you you're wrong, but I'm not going to say I'm 100% on board with that. Um, Would I be surprised if that was what happens? No. I mean, I would not be surprised. Look, Max Murin was the starter last year, went out and made the round of 12 at 141. you know, I think he lost, if I'm not mistaken, Chad Red in the All-American match, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Who had a hell of a tournament last well, year. Yeah, after a, after a really up-and-down regular season. Here's my thing, though. The fact that the fact that they've been weighing DeSanto and Light and wrestling up at 141 tells me that they really don't know what's going to happen. And maybe for the sake of this duel, they wanted to see... I don't think they put their... They were dead set on this lineup as, hey, this is our starting lineup that we're putting out there against Iowa State. With DeSanto weighing in at what he's been weighing in at, based on what we've heard, he has that option. They they have that option with him. Um, I've also heard that DeSanto has always wanted to go 141. Well, let's talk about okay. dictating, right? Uh, Who's dictating? DeSanto's dictating. Is he? Well, Tom Brands is ultimately dictating. I think Tom Brands is. Because but, I think it was DeSanto's choice, just from what I've heard, and I could be wrong, DeSanto has wanted to go to 141. Maybe, so, maybe I'm wrong. Wide open weight. Maybe I'm wrong. But, but what you don't do is you don't, dude. With a guy, you don't have a guy suck down most of the season and then bump back up. That that you, I agree with. You can't with. do that. I think that if if they're going to move him up, they got to make that decision yesterday. They got to tell him, hey, eat all that damn stuff and you want all that macaroni and cheese, all that turkey, because you're going 41, son. You're going 41. They got to do that now because DeSanto's got to get his body acclimated to 141 pounds. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. But I do think that based on DeSanto's wrestling ability, his skill set, what he brings to the table, I think that he is one of those guys that can weigh in close to 133 and win big matches at 141 in duels. I don't think the lineup that we saw is indicative of Tom, uh, of Tom Brand saying this is our starting lineup going forward. I don't think they're ready to give up on guys like Teasdale and Paul Glenn at 133. Oh, you can't give up on um, I think they need to see what they have in guys like Max Murin. What, what's going to happen with him at 141? Who's been, who was, was kind of underwhelming for certain parts of the season last year. Oh, he absolutely was. Absolutely. Honestly, Max Murin, we knew he had some talent, but based on the season and making the round of the t- round of 12 last year, that was a bit of a surprise. That was I mean, a surprise. The I guy, he, he was 17 and 10 last year was yeah. his record. I think he was pulling. He lost to a dude from Indiana um, like who was like three and who had a worse record than I did in college. No, I mean, 
No, but it just goes to show yeah. you that he was up and down a lot of the season last year. Um, maybe Teasdale is the, maybe it is Teasdale to Santo. But if it is, you got to make that decision now. Tom Brands can't can't be finicky with this. Would have been, and, and I even said this last weekend. This would have been a great duel to put Teasdale out there in this type of environment in state rivalry rivalry against a guy like. Todd Small, Todd Small, solid guy, solid but not guy, all in there. But 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 a guy that could, but it was a toss yeah. up match. How, You're not going to go out and get mauled. Agreed. How do you perform in a hostile environment like this in state rivalry? How do you handle that, especially after taking a loss in an open tournament the week before from a guy that wasn't a D one wrestler? I really think that they should have let Teasdale wrestle in this match to see You're how right. he handled it, to see how he bounced back. I think that was wrong thing last year. Uh, I do disagree with you that if ultimately DeSanto is going to go 41, I don't think they need to make that decision just now. I think because, Ben, it's it's still November, okay? Yeah. It's still November. What I do think is by mid-December, you need to make that decision. What he's going to go, what, whatever weight class he's going to go, we need to see him that, at that weight at Midlands. Well, not just that. Yeah. Let's talk about seeding. They don't take into consideration matches that you win at a different weight class for That is true. Seating. So – to, it's only to their benefit to make the decision earlier, right? I get mid-December, but by the big tournaments, by the Christmas tournament time, they got to make a decision. I, I agree. I think that is that is very fair. You can't play around with this lineup because you gotta you gotta get your horses ready to run that race in March. Well, Ben, you know what's going to be interesting? Their next duel is against Wisconsin, and it's Seth Gross. That's not, the, pl- that's not the time 1st. you throw Teasdale out there. That is not the time you go throw Teasdale out there. But maybe you throw DeSanto out there. Show me what you got against Seth Gross. I don't know. I don't know. Bottom line is, Iowa is looking pretty good right now with still some weights, some important weights that are up in the air. How about Nelson Brands Let's go. Let's go. getting the start over Cash Wilkie and beating the fifth-ranked guy in the country, Sammy Colbray? Yeah, he's got two ranked wins. The guy from UTC was ranked as well. I think he was ranked like 21st or something like that. And then he goes out there and he beats Sammy Colbray, who was a round of 12 guy last year, ranked fifth in the country, I believe, at the time. Nelson Brand's weighing in at like 178. It was 178. He, he, what, he, what they said was um, uh, his dad just told him, hey, this is the weight you need to weigh in at. Because they need, they need to make sure they don't screw with his descent plan in case you sure. know, he has to go 74. If, sure. You know, if Cameron, who's got is injury prone, has got to go down. <laughs> Nelson Brand's like, all right, cool. I'm going to do that, and I'm still going to scrap. That dude is a scrapper. But what I think he doesn't get enough credit for is his technical ability. Everybody talks about how good of a scrapper it is and how hard nose he is. And his pace. Yeah, and his pace. But I tell you what, he has different misdirection-type shots. Dude, he that, got in on so many shots he didn't finish. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because he was a little smaller. But misdirection-type shots, eventually he just wore Colbray down and took him down for the win. Nelson Brands, there's another thing. Make the decision so you can let him know what weight he's going to wrestle. Because he can get up to 180 pounds, I'm sure. Nelson Brands is... One guy that I think, if you were going to let him weigh in light and wrestle up, I, I'm not going to be too worried about him. And honestly, I'm not ready to chalk up and say he's not going to be able to finish those takedowns against the bigger guys 
all year long because that's correctable. They can coach him up on how to finish those takedowns when he's consistently getting into upper echelon guys' legs. This is a guy that went undefeated in his rest, you know, his red shirt year last year. I mean, you know, granted it's it's red shirt, but still didn't lose a match. He goes out. He's got two ranked wins. Sammy Colbray is a tough mofo, and he beat him, and he was in on all kinds of shots. But this, we made this point last week, and I don't want to keep on repeating the same thing. But and I and I really do hate to say this because I like Cash Wilkie. I like Cash Wilkie a lot. He's done, he's been the consummate team guy for Iowa. Honestly. Yeah, he's with multiple different weights. 100%. He went up a weight because they thought Pat Downey was going to go down to 84 that Correct. And then, yeah, Pat Downey, unfortunately, didn't um, do anything. He wasn't on the team. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, again, again, and again, you know what you have with Cash Wilkie. It, it, it's not going to change. Uh, ultimately, is People can, graduate, and can, that's how he gets can on the podium, Can he get right? past the round of 12 or not? We, 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 we know what we have. Nelson Brands, again, still developing. Such a high ceiling. That dude could. He's not going to back down from anybody. He could be at 165. Well, yeah. And he's wrestling. I mean, that's what he wrestled last year. What is. He was just a bad man, Jim. That dude just don't care. He. Does anybody. He's a brand. Does anybody remind you more of his dad than him? He's Terry's son, right? Is it Tom or Terry? Well, let's let's look that up. Well, I guarantee you, he's either Tom or Terry's son. (laughs) And the only person that would remind me more of his dad is his dad's brother. To answer your question, I'm just. I'm just gonna say, but I, I'm on the I'm on the boat right now, Ben, and this isn't. It's Terry, and I, I thought it was Terry. Okay, so um, but I'm in the basically I'm in the, the I believe it you know Terry. the crowd that says that basically let Nelson keep wrestling, let him keep wrestling. You know, especially when you look at upcoming matches, let him go against Johnny Sebastian when they wrestle Wisconsin. Oh, he's gonna mess up. Let him up. go against Travis Stefanik when they battle Princeton. You know, Stefanik's not bad. He's not bad at all. But but then you don't see what you get with Wilkie. We know what you have with Wilkie is my point. Oh, yeah. You, you know what you have. I mean, and that's the thing. Nelson Brands was a super recruit. He was a big-time recruit. Yeah, dude started wrestling in seventh grade. You just don't see that much anymore. I mean, he made they made the right decision. Dude is a bad man. He got up in that dude's face and just said, I'm going to out-hand fight you. I'm going to out-shot take you. I'm gonna make sure that it gets out it done. scramble you. Yeah. Did you see that freaking windmill oh, yeah. escape he did? Oh yeah. That was some Reese Humphrey shit right there. Yeah, it was like a it was a, a Gramby type thing. It looked like he was freaking breakdancing. Oh dude, he looked like he was part of freaking uh Jam Master J and all, all them dudes. Is that dude in the Jabberwockies? Oh no, he's not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I I I was I was got a little bit of a uh, little bit of a decision to make there. Um smart money, right? Uh, not smart money, but like the safe bet. The safe bet is Wilkie. Is Wilkie. The safe bet is Wilkie, Ben. You're 100% right. So you got to right. see what Brands Yeah, but you I gotta think you got to see what Brands got. got. And the one thing that I think Brands and Wilkies they can both wrestle Midlands. They're wrestling. Their styles are two completely different styles. And I've seen, I've read a lot and heard a lot about a lot of guys saying, "Well, he got in on the legs a lot, but he would finish those at 174. He's too small at 184." That may be true. But here's what he will do at 184 against the maj- a lot of opponents, not named like Zahid and those guys. His pace are going to wear those guys down, and he's going to finish those takedowns in the later periods late in the season. Yeah. I think you've got to take the, the first word of what you just said away. The second word is accurate. You said too small, right? I mean, was what people are saying. He's small at 184. There's no doubt about it. But is he too small? 
I, I think he weighed in at 178 pounds and just beat the number fifth ranked guy in the country, who's uh, a proven commodity. Well, we just mentioned it earlier. We saw Shakur Rashid all American at 197 when he should have probably been wrestling 174. Right. So it, it can be done, and if there's anybody that can do it. I'm, I'm saying Nelson Brands is one of those guys because of his style and his mentality. Yep. Yes, sir. Any other matches stick out to you in this duel? Uh, you know, I think that there wasn't much else there. Um, you know, we, we pretty much got, we pretty much guessed this entire duel, right? I mean, you, 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 you and I both should, picked, should we comment? We both picked David Carr. Yeah, yeah, maybe a little bit one fifty seven, huh? We did not pick David Carr. We picked Caleb Young again. The tick curse. Sorry, Caleb Young. <laughs> we are cursing people. Are. We are. Nelson Brands probably ain't going to wrestle another match the rest of the year. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just heard Nelson Brands ACL pop. Don't say that. I know. That's terrible. That's awful. No, I'm kidding. But how about David Carr? Dude. He won it in the way that I didn't think he was able to win it. On the mat. That, yes. But just, just generally being savvier than Caleb Young. So, go ahead. Go ahead. Again, it's so funny that you say that because I completely disagree. I expect David Carr to be savvier than Caleb Young. David Carr oh, not is slick as shit on his feet. We've always seen him that <laughs> slick. Caleb Young last year, and we said this last week, and we heard Tom Brands talk about it all year. Caleb Young needs to open up on his offense more. But he did in this match. He was in on David Carr twice in the first period on a single leg. Both sides was unable to finish. David Carr was able to one time get out of bounds but like but defend it appropriately second time was able to keep that shin wizard just long enough to where Caleb Young couldn't take him down in the first period David Carr got trapped in the short O a couple times Caleb Young was able to turn that into his own attacks got in great I mean I'm talking high level attacks reshots high level reshots that he finishes on pretty much anybody in the country and he couldn't finish it on David Carr that's what I'm talking about the savviness the the grit and savviness is to not give up takedowns when you're near the edge or when there's short time. Whereas lesser freshmen would give up takedowns on the edge and give up takedowns with short time, especially against the guy who's ranked number two in the country. He didn't do that. David Carr bided his time. He got in some really awesome scrambles where there was one scramble, I think, in the second period or it might have been later, later in the, or in the, early in the third period where he was in on a high crotch. He went Iranian on him and got in a huge scramble with Caleb Young, and neither one of them scored. But David Carr showed that he was capable of score, uh, scrambling with a, with a Caleb Young type, and then he bit by his time until he got in on that single leg, got it up in the air, yep. and he did something that every yep. coach in high school would hate. Tells you not to do. And he goes for the head. Goes for the head. Standing yep. cradle, locks it up, gets his two, and then rolls it through for a um, two and two with some back points. And he cements himself as a young freshman who is ranked probably number four in the country right now. Number two. Is he? He's ranked number two by some publications. By some publications. So it's Hidley, Carr, then Deacon. And I think there's an argument whether it should be Deacon or Carr, but Caleb Young beat Deacon twice at the NCAAs last right. year, and Carr just went out there and laid it on him. Um, there's probably one other guy I've seen in the last few years that could do what he just did, and that was Daniel Lewis. Yes. That type of cradle, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And you're, you're absolutely right, Ben. And it's so cool about this duel that you got to see two kids with legends of fathers in wrestling, David Carr, Nelson Brands, and go out there and oh, get yeah. big wins in this duel that just shows the futures, the future that they have. And that is e cool. That it, is cool. It's Good awesome, point. dude. Um, and even like speaking specifically to David Carr, I mean, David Carr, we, 
we you everybody knows what he's about. What's gonna make March so much fun, assuming everyone's healthy, including David Carr, is that 157 is so wide open. You've got a lot of guys in the top three or four that are so good and so close that any one of them could win it on any given day between Hidley, Deacon, Carr, and Young. And Carr just went out there and he showed, look, at this point in time, I got Young. I can't wait to see a match between him and Deacon. Oh. I cannot wait. And the reason I say that, they're both long, rangy, Strong. We'll probably see it Midlands, if not before, right? I don't know if Iowa State duels Northwestern, but I know they're both at Midlands. Iowa State and Northwestern. I'm not sure if they duel each other or not, but but yeah, I mean they both. Obviously, Northwestern is going to be there, and Iowa State. Well, I don't know if Iowa State goes to Midlands. We'd have to check that out. But Shit. the point I'm making is I'm I, I would love to see that match between the two of them, or even and this is goes without saying, but a match between David Carr and his slick offensiveness against Hidley and his impenetrable defense and his underhooks. Wow. I think I'd probably have to take Hidley right now. Well, but, I, I took, but I took Caleb, Young yeah, last I week, Caleb Young so. last week. So, you know what, David Carr is, uh, yeah, could, could certainly prove us wrong. What a... Uh... It's going to be a fun one, Ben. So, before we get off this duel, and, you know, obviously we've been talking wrestling for quite a bit right now. Um, at this point in time, in all seriousness... If you had to choose the winner in March, are you really picking Iowa over Penn State? Really picking them? Or are you not ready to do that just yet? Right now, based on the lineups that I've seen? Yeah. Well, based on the lineups we've seen and also the potential lineups that could be. I said it earlier today, just earlier in this podcast, that Iowa would be my choice right now. But now that I really look at the lineups, I think that I probably still have to pick Penn State. And I know I'm walking it back a little bit again. That's all right. But I think the reason why is Penn State's surefire points. Right? They've got surefire points. points. At at some weeks, too. Iowa's got some surefire points in Spencer Lee, DeSanto, um, and Marinelli. Marinelli, Kemmerer. Kemmerer. That's it. I think that Penn State, surefire. Surefire. So give me their surefire points. RBY is Uh, surefire. Yeah, RBY, Nick Lee. Lee, Vincenzo. Vincenzo, Mark Hall, Anthony Cassar. And that's it. Yeah. So and it's going to be tight. So, dude, this could be a pretty fun team race to watch. Oh, it's going to be great. And you know how Iowa fans – I mean, Iowa fans, Penn State fans travel really well. They're very loud. That's going to be fun They're to watch. They're great fan bases. They're going to duel. But based on potential lineups, I think I think this could be Iowa's year, Ben. Yeah, we ran, we ran that, we I ran think that the, duel I up think this two, could be Iowa's ago. year um, – I would like to see Brands at 184. Um, what they decide to do at 133 and 141 is going to be very interesting to see. So I'm they got looking options, forward to it. Which is nice. They definitely have options. Um, again, so look, a lot of other upsets this weekend. I mean, it, it, dude, Trent Hidley. That's who we've we talked about talk his about. brother, Trent Hidley. Dude knocks out the number two and number three ranked guys in the country. He, all he does is go in, takes out Ben Darmstadt from Cornell, then says, "Hey." Team, why don't, we get, why don't we just get on the bus Everybody and travel? On the bus. on the bus. Let's go to Binghampton and see if they want to wrestle. And takes out Louis Dupre. Back-to-back matches, same day. That's huge. This, this is a freshman. Yeah, junior world bronze medalist. Um, Obviously, the pedigree's there, right? But I, I, I don't think people were quite expecting. Look, we, we knew he was great. We knew he, or, or we knew he, 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 obviously the pedigree was there, and we knew that. I guess what I'm trying to say is that I, I was not expecting him to to win both of those matches. Maybe you win one, you sneak one in, and you drop one. Ben Darmstadt, he's 
he's lost two matches already this year. Um, he is. Uh, why is he at eighty four? Is my question. But I, I guess we're we're talking now. Now we're getting away from Trent Hidley. But he, he had some significant success. He's he's huge. He's like six foot four, and he had great success up at ninety seven two years ago. Now Matt with Maxine on the red shirt, he drops down to eighty four, and he just hasn't looked quite like uh, like he did w- his freshman. Look, right. he was pretty dominant his freshman year, and honestly, because his style's really funky, right? Well, he I mean he'll get on top of you. He loves the assassin, right? All right? And once he hits the assassin on you, it's pretty much he game likes over. when people take you down because he's a big reversal to a pin. Yeah. Guy. Um, it is. It's. It's very interesting to me, and I would love to know the the, the whole rationale because when you when you really compare the weight classes, look, one ninety seven has historically been pretty weak, and it's. I hate to say it because I'm a huge Colin Moore fan, but I think there's a much easier path at one ninety seven than there is at one eighty four. There, that, that's that goes without. It's not rude to say that it's easier to that Colin that Ben Darmstadt has a better chance against Colin Moore than he does against Zahid Valencia. That's fair. It is a fair statement. I'm just saying I hate to say it. Um, But even even not just looking at Colin Moore, the depth at 197 is nothing compared to the depth of 184. And this is kind of a down year for 184. Right, right. You know, uh, uh, you compare to years past. But to say... Well, Ben Darmstadt right now is ranked eighth in the country at 184 pounds. And I would probably put him at number two in the country at 97. I'd probably put him at three behind Brucky. Because Bru- yeah, okay. yeah, Brucky last year wrestled, finished great, had a great season. That's true. Good, um, good point. Yeah, good point. You know, but Trent Headley had a phenomenal redshirt year last year. I think he only had two losses, and guess what? They were both, uh, let's see, tiebreaker number two, one-point loss to David McFadden at the scuffle. Right. And then a four-to-two loss to Joe Smith at the scuffle. His only losses. He beat— and. I get it. A lot of guys out there may not be as high on this guy as Ben and I are, but he beat a very, very tough Matt Feinsilver at the scuffle three to one. Matt Feinsilver is a very tough one hundred and seventy four pounder, and I believe he's taking a, a red shirt this year, right? Ollie Redshirt. That's right. For Greco? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Um so huge win there. Only two losses on the red shirt year. I think he went what, twenty six and two, twenty eight and two or something like that. Um I've heard from a lot of people that Trent is actually has the more talent than his brother Hayden. Well, just by watching them both wrestle, it, it, it's hard for me to decipher which one is better. Um, certainly, if we want to talk about the shiny new toy and look at recency, uh, it, it's hard to disagree the, with the fact that uh, Trent Hilley went out there and on the same day beat Ben Darbson and Louis Dupre. But so. his brother Hay- Hayden is also the guy that as a freshman entered the NCAA tournament undefeated. And finished second. And, finished and, second. and then was a... Uh, a phantom takedown away from beating Jason Nolf. Correct. So let's. So maybe, maybe we. Uh, yeah. Let's just say that they're both equally. They're both awesome. very good. And also, I mean, Trent Headley last year in red shirt, nice went over All American Brandon Womack from Cornell, and also beat Mason Manville, who is known as a pretty decent wrestler himself for Penn yeah. State. So um, yeah, big, big, big weekend from him. He, yeah, he he went he went from uh, I'm looking at the open mats rankings from eleven to four. So, uh, it's a nice little jump there for a freshman. Huge, 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 huge. What else you got, my man? Well, you know, obviously there's not a lot going on um, because of Thanksgiving this week. But uh, Ohio State does get back on the mat against Cornell. I wouldn't say that there's a ton of uh, marquee matchups there, but those are two traditional powerhouse programs. I'm looking forward to watching that. It will be live on Flow Wrestling. So, I'm excited that we'll have something to watch over the weekend. 
after we're all fat and happy from eating that turkey and got our Black Friday out of uh, our way and everything like that? Bruh, I'm pretty sure you and I are fat and happy every day. Yes. You know, I, I do want to make one comment Go about ahead. this weekend. And just, again, it goes to speak to the uh, kind of the the overall theme of the season. Normally, in years past, the Oklahoma State-Minnesota State or Oklahoma State-Minnesota duel would have been like the marquee duel of the weekend. And it kind of got lost in the shuffle of all the action that went on this weekend. And that's not a knock on either programs. It just goes to show the landscape of D1 college wrestling this year. And it was kind of it was it was kind of like uh, just kind of a very anticlimactic duel. Oklahoma State wins 21 to 12 um, against Minnesota. Minnesota, look, they're having it's a down year from them. They're lacking some some talent on their team. A lot of holes. I mean, they've got some some pretty good guys as well. Dusty Hone almost beat Mitch McKee. He had to come back at the end and put put Dusty Hone on his back to win. That's what Mitch McKee does. Yeah, the the, the duel was just there was. There's not a lot to talk about. There's not. A, yeah. There's not a ton to get extremely excited about in this duel meet. Oklahoma State is 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 certainly an excellent team. Minnesota is a team that's certainly down, but uh, it, it wasn't anything that I. I mean, I, I had it on on my third TV. Which is I have three TVs, so I watch you know main duel, second duel, third duel. This was the third. This was the third TV duel for me this weekend. Pornhub on your phone? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Right. So it was honestly, yeah, I had Pornhub on my third TV, and I had this duel on my phone. That's how, that's how bad it was. I gotcha. You know, I I would say you're right. There, in looking at the matchups that took place, Bulu Wallen versus Brayton Lee is a great matchup. That was the pinnacle. Bulu Wallen got the ma- you know got the job done. Be, you know, beating Lee eight to three. Reese Whitcraft coming back from quite the deficit against Brent Jones at 133 and getting the pen. That was nice. Pretty big. Piccinini, you know, squeaking by Pat McKee, Mitch's younger brother, 3-2. to Piccinini didn't look uh, all that great. Now, Pat McKee had a game plan for him, but Piccinini didn't look like he could really get much going in that match, yeah. It's just, dude, it just blows my mind that two of the most historically great wrestling programs in the country – just got lost in the shuffle of all this this weekend, and honestly, it, it really—I didn't miss it though, I, because there was so much else that, that going on. It, well, that's the thing. It's like I don't know. I don't even know what to think about this. It's just crazy to think that this duel. I don't know. I would. I'm watching you and I versus Nebraska over this duel, and most years that's not the case. There's nothing else. You I know, that, I think that is the the exact. Uh, you took the words out of my mouth. That's exactly what. What I would say. Yep. All right, my man. Let's wrap this up. Uh, it is Thanksgiving week. It is Tuesday night. We are a couple of days removed from having to put our stretchy pants on. and uh, <laughs> Oh, I got them on right now, baby. A little binge and purge. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, so what are you thankful for, my man? I'm thankful for a couple of different things. One of them, 105 episodes with you, my man. This has been an awesome ride. I'm extremely thankful to call you my podcast partner. Um, this has been amazing. And I'm also thankful for all of the diehard wrestling fans out there like us that love this sport. I know I got on the people from BWI and Hawkeye Report earlier, but I tell you what, there's so many awesome wrestling fans out there. I know we're a niche sport, but it's so cool to realize that there's thousands of people out there just like us that love this sport. So I'm thankful for that. What about you? 
wrestling is kind of so crazy like that. Like the fans are so diehard and they're so passionate about the sport. It's like they'll fight over it. Like you say something bad and they're they're ready to fight over it. Um, At least on the internet. Uh, yeah, of course. I am very thankful for what you, you and I have done. I'm thankful for all the people that we've been able to connect with. Um, it's been a lot of fun. This is one of the things I look most forward to every week during the during the wrestling season. Um, it's been a rough year for me, man. It's been a real rough year. Yeah. A lot of ups and downs. I'm very thankful for my wife who has just been my saving grace throughout the year. Um, she basically took care of me for eight weeks when I was laid up on a couch after my surgery. Um, I am thankful to get through this year and ready to start 2020. Um, you son of a bitch had to be thankful for your wife. So now I got to do that too. I'm thankful for my wife as well. Yeah, but I said it first. I know that's terrible. I'm I'm a terrible human being. Uh, well, I'm not going to argue. With I love you, there. Danny. So you know, it's just I'm thankful to be healthy. I'm thankful to be alive. I'm thankful for how fortunate I am. My family, all of my friends, acquaintances, everything else. So it's awesome, man. That's it, man. Let's drink some wine. Let's eat some turkey. And let's, uh, dude. It is only nine forty-four, so I'll have a glass of wine with you. Oh yeah. All right. Well, enough of us. Enough of this, guys. I'm off tomorrow, baby. We're ready to get to the fine wine. So, anyway, episode number one hundred and five in the books. What a wacky weekend. We can't wait to see what's in store when December hits. We got Cliff Keen coming up. We got the Midlands. We got some crazy duels. The season doesn't start till Cliff Keen. We might even get to see. Most years, the season doesn't really even start. To oh, I, oh, I disagree. I disagree. But this year, Arizona State different. beating Penn State. That's what I mean. This year, it's different. It is different. Most years, it ain't shit until Cliff Keen. Maybe you get one or two decent duels. That's what's crazy. I mean, I saw Mark Hall beat Zahid last year before Cliff Keen. I'm just going to argue with you on this. We did. We did. But I, I your point is well made and well taken. Um, I love Cliff Keen. We got Cliff Keen coming up. And please, 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 please give me. Austin DeSanto versus Seth Gross. Ooh. Because I want to see a couple of things. One, I want to see how the match goes. And two, I want to see if DeSanto can keep himself from punching Seth Gross in the face. <laughs> Did you see DeSanto in this match? Oh, yeah. Telling he, the ref where shit was happening? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He was like, look, I'm going to ref this match, and then I'm going to hop yeah, over. Yeah, bro, go back to the ref's hospitality room. Have a hamburger. I got this. And by the way, guys, you, for all you guys that just finished this podcast, remember... Whatever you say in a review, I will read for the next three weeks. So get them in now, boys and girls. You make your bed. You gotta sl- you gotta you gotta sleep in a bed. <laughs> all right. As I said, everything's given, guys. In the books. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you. Have a wonderful and safe holiday with your families. Don't do anything we wouldn't do, which is basically nothing. We, we'll do everything. So, <laughs> hey, you know what we won't do? We won't wind up on our back, bros. And neither should you. <laughs>